Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Black and Blue Pod. New to the show? Let me break it down for you, nice and simple. My name's Matt McLaughlin. I am the creator and host of most episodes. On the show, I bring on friends and interview some very interesting guests. Here to talk sports, music, entertainment, and we're not going to leave anything off the table. We're here to bruise egos. My generation of common is him just being on Microsoft commercials. No running back should ever be in an MVP consideration. Eat up, bud! Eat up! We ask hard-hitting questions. Goodfellas are the godfather. This is dangerous work down here. Better guitarist with the name Jimmy. Jimi Hendrix or Jimmy Page. Are aliens real, yes or no? And have incredible moments that will leave you wondering. What the hell's going on out here? Thank you all for tuning in and enjoy the show. All right, everyone, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. It is currently 9.41 p.m. because college sucks, and I have so much shit to do. So we're recording this pretty late, uh, but we're I'm back with Timmy. We're going to be covering our favorite teams who love to just stab us in the heart with false hope and then absolutely be terrible when we hope that they are actually going to turn it around the most. So no better example of this is our favorite hockey team, the Philadelphia Flyers, who, quite frankly, absolutely suck at the moment. They've played two straight games. They had a bunch of games postponed due to COVID protocols. They still haven't gotten back some of their top guys. I believe Giroux is still out, Konechny. They're not at full strength, to say the least. But that being said, they go into Lake Tahoe for the big outdoor game and lose seven to three Carter Hart gave up a full-on touchdown to uh the Boston Bruins Pasternak the whole that whole line looks absolutely fucking incredible at this point I just I'm going to toss this to you first because I want to collect my thoughts do you think that this Flyers team has any chance to contend as currently constructed assume at full strength I should say um no I mean, but then again, I'm, I'm the notorious Flyers hater. Um, so I was looking up some stats prior to us jumping on. Um, and I know that stats don't tell the whole story, but we are, uh, you say as currently constructed. And, you know, I understand that we're, I think, like the fifth youngest team in the league, I believe it said, for, for average age. Um, so which is surprising because you think about it, so many of our key players are like 29 or older. And I think this is what happens when the generational gap doesn't, they don't, they don't combine perfectly. And that's in any sport, I think, but I think hockey, you can see it the most is that um, look at the Blackhawks. They were one of the most dominant franchises for the better part of the last decade plus they won three Stanley Cups with the Kane Taves, uh, you know, duo. And then and, that's all falling apart now. And, yeah, like it's, you know, they held on one too long. And they, you know, um, the back end of or these young guys that they got, I guess they just didn't draft well enough or they didn't hit on drafts. Um, I mean, they built that squad after, after being – an absolute shit fest of a franchise yeah. for the better part of the early 2000s. That's how you end up with two generational players and Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, right? 
Yeah. And then you got Duncan Keith and Corey Crawford and all these other guys that they threw in there. Um, but that, you know, when you stop hitting on picks, this is what it looks like. You know, for years, the Red Wings were always just my, for the first two decades of my life, the Red Wings were perennial Western Conference finalists or Stanley Cup finalists. You know, yeah, they back won when they back had like Yeiserman they had like Yeiserman and the whole Russian five, and they were playing right. absolutely dominant possession hockey. You know, they beat one of what is probably one of the better Flyers teams of the last thirty years oh, in that '97 squad. That oh my other, god, that was such a good team. Any other year, that team probably would have won, but they wrote they ran into an absolute dynasty. Um, and so I'm mentioning that because because. They, you know, and then they kept it going through the 2000s because even though they were picking late, they started to they 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 got these guys like Pavel Datsuk and Andre Zetterberg, who even though they weren't top picks coming out, they developed into stars, and that's yeah. how you keep a dynasty going for 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously, the Flyers weren't a dynasty of anything. Like you know, we made. The, no, but that's how, with, that's how you stay relevant and that's how you keep a positive momentum going is by bringing in fresh blood that can come in right away after right, years you, in the system. The, you keep, you just keep the momentum going You you to hand the torch off to the next person. And unfortunately, as Drew's better years, the, the Drew and Voracek and all those guys, you know, we've already lost Hartnell and Simmons from that core. Um, you know, Katoria is even 29 and he can never stay healthy, unfortunately. As we mm-hmm. lost those guys, these other guys are supposed to start pat- stepping up more. Um, and, you know, Morgan Frost is done for the year. He was supposed to be the new fresh blood this year. Yeah. Faraby looks positive. I like Faraby, but he, he doesn't seem consistent enough. Uh, Nolan Patrick clearly dealt with the migraines. Konechny has been a scorer, but outside of that, like he, you know, he, he seems a little bit too streaky for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on defense, we had all the, you know, you go back like five years and everyone was so excited about these defensive studs that we had. And yeah. Proveroff is the only one that's like really developed into anything. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, Carter Hart got lit up yesterday and everyone's calling for his head. If you look at the team stats on hockeyreference.com, they're eighth in goals against per game, but in goals forced, they're six. So that's kind of even a push, you know? Yeah. And so you look at that, but here's where the real underlying issue, I think, comes in. You look at our power play percentage, middle of the road, 17. Okay. That's not good yeah. like for the for the, the people we have out there, Kevin Hayes, you know. He seems to be the only consistent performer, but you need more people to start jumping on board with him. And so 17th, that's not going to get it done, especially when you look at our penalty kill. And it our is penalty, it's it's garbage. 29th garbage. in the league. It is it's 29th in the league. You yep. do not win a Stanley Cup with a penalty kill that is rated 29th in the league. That right there is all you need to know. So until they can fix the special teams. And until they can get better defensive play in front of Carter Hart and have take some of the pressure off of him and then get more consistent scorers, we're not going mm-hmm. anywhere. And I don't know what trade they can make. This is why in the offseason I was so adamant about trying to bring in um, the dude that eventually signed with – I always forget his name. 
but he eventually signed with the Blues. He was Hoffman, Mike Hoffman. Yeah, he's a sniper. He's uh-huh. a gun for hire. So just go get him, okay? And he 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 literally the Blues, who are a team that has is from top to bottom is a pretty well built team. The St. Louis Blues. They yeah. just won it two years ago, right? They're the last. They're technically still the defending Stanley Cup champ. Oh no, they're not. Sorry, I forgot that they they went to the bubble. Sorry. So they won it in 2019, right? And but they can they they didn't get stale. They they knew that you had to keep cycling, and they said, "Hey, look, Vladimir Tarasenko, our number one offensive player, doesn't seem to be staying healthy, and we don't even know if we're going to have him this year. So yeah. what do we do? Let's go give Mike Hoffman a run." Four million dollars. You're telling me we didn't have four million dollars to give to Mike Hoffman for 30, 30 plus goals and you know maybe thirty to forty assists. Mm-hmm. I I agree. We could use that offense so bad right now, Matt. And I just don't. Chuck Fletcher doesn't. Um, to me, he's not someone who's wheeling and dealing at the deadline. He's he doesn't seem like somebody who's going to go out there and and make that massive trade. Yeah. And so I think right now, unfortunately, you know, we're stuck with the parts we have. And on top of that, as I've said time and time again on this podcast, this system fucking sucks. I can't watch dump and chase hockey. It's not fun. It's not a like I I don't understand how he ever got the Rangers and the Canucks to the to the title now. To 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 within one with the Canucks within one game of I, Stanley Cup. I, I would argue that – well, I wouldn't argue, but the common examples are that he actually had speed on that roster. He had – Vigneault had scoring in the Sedan Twins. Henrik and, Lundqvist back in, in between the pipes yeah. was really effective. Like there were just some players on that team that we just don't have that caliber of, t- of players right now. Carter mm-hmm. Hart has been too inconsistent in that as much as I hate to admit it. Um, Brian Elliott, I don't think offers still, a rely- Yeah, I'm – I'm not saying it's time that Carter Hart gets run out of town, but I think it, it, he is kind of in need of a rest maybe. I don't know if what's going on with him mentally, but I, he just doesn't look as focused or locked in. Uh, I don't think Brian Elliott offers much of a great backup option. Nope. And I think Chuck Fletcher is really banking on uh, Travis Konechny, like exploding and taking the next step in his development as a goal scorer, ill-advised or – whether it works out or not, like that's what he's going to do as much as I hate to say it. Uh, I would like to see them go out. Hopefully the COVID protocols do force the flyers and force Fletcher to go look at some moves and hopefully get some new scoring, no matter who it's from, whether it's an older veteran or a younger player. Uh, But this team looks absolutely atrocious. You cannot tell me that letting up six, seven goals, a full on touchdown, to the Boston Bruins, who is your top team in your division, is one of the top two or three teams in your division right now with the realignment. In the NHL. Yeah, it's that's a team that you're going to have to go through if you want to, at some point, get to the Stanley Cup final. That's a team you got to beat. Now, there have been moments in other sports where teams have like swept the season series, and then in the playoffs, it's a completely different story. I'm hoping that's the case where – all of a sudden the Flyers get motivated by the time they do get into the playoffs. Hopefully they still get into the playoffs. That's a completely different story, but hopefully they get into the playoffs and say, listen, Boston has been kicking our ass this entire season. Let's go out and just hammer them, play aggressive and show 
like who we are and who we can be. And hopefully that adds another dimension of focus. As of right now, the Flyers have to do something. I agree. Make a move, make a trade, pick up someone, do whatever you got to do, but you need fresh blood in there. James Van Riemsdyk should not be leading all of our offensive categories for the most part. Like that's just, that just shouldn't be happening. When you have the, a, well, that's why I think they never went, they didn't go get Hoffman because they had, because they have, and this is what the Flyers do. They they spend big on guys that they shouldn't spend big on, and then they get scared to spend money for a couple of years. So, like, Vinny LeCavier bit us in the ass in 2013, and they didn't really go get another big free agent after that for a couple of years until they went and signed JVR because of that reason, I believe. And Probably. I think that's where – now, granted, some people who you know follow hockey closer would, would probably point out, well, maybe they were scared of the the baggage that comes with Mike Hoffman. But I, you know, I never passed the thing that happened in Ottawa with Eric Carlson and his wife. I there hasn't been another thing that has I've seen appear since then. So I, you know, you, you can only assume that that was, if it even was true, was a minor blip on the radar. Um, I just, I just, and. Let me say this too. I don't think if they would have signed Hoffman, it it like changes everything. Yeah, it changes yeah, yeah. my whole. No, no. it's just system. one move. It's one move. There's we still need we still need a, definitely a veteran defenseman, if not yes. two. We need Niskanen. Niskanen retiring was a huge hole left in that blue line. It, they need veteran pre, a veteran presence back there to help teach Prover off another for another year or two. And they need they need a gunner. They need a sniper. They really do, because mm-hmm. uh, you know the the year off I think really hurt, hurt Nolan Patrick. I don't trust JVR. I, I don't I don't trust him continuing whatever he's doing. And you know, I it it could you know they could be on the golf course by May. That's all I'm gonna say. Ugh. They could be hitting they could be hitting the nine the, you know the back the back nine by May if they don't you know start figuring this shit out. Or June, I guess. I don't know how it works the new schedule, but yeah, go from a number one seed to fucking bounced out, not even making the playoffs. That would be very Philadelphia. They're they're technically eight and seven with the three overtime losses. They're eight, four, and three, right? Yeah. And of those seven losses, I think aren't aren't five of them to the Bruins? One's to the Sabres. Five five or six to them have been to the Bruins. Like I let me pull up the schedule. Hang on. Um it's at I mean, least four. It's at least four. Three, six. Uh, it's been f- one. Why can't I count all of a sudden? Schedule. Let me go to the schedule. Uh, two. Yeah, because they like swept us every time we played them. Mm-hmm. Five of those losses have been to the Bruins. That's a disgrace. Five of your disgrace. seven losses are to one team. The one, one uh, the team that you were most likely, if it's not Tampa Bay, it's them that you're going to have to get through if you want if you want to consider yourself Stanley cup contenders and you're going to, you get eight games against them. Mm-hmm. So at best you go three and five. No <sighs> first round exit. First right. round exit. I'm getting disgusted. Let's move on to the Sixers. Some, <clears throat> some decent play. Uh, Joel and B dropped 50 points. Again, that's a whopping 50 against the Chicago MVP. Bulls. <laughs> But they followed up that performance with a loss to the Toronto Raptors. Net, well, I should say the Tampa Bay Raptors, because now they've relocated to Tampa Bay this year due to uh, COVID restrictions in Canada. But they have gotten Ben Simmons and Shake Milton back. Do you think that 
this Toronto loss was a a red siren for a possible losing streak skid, or do you think that this is just a Toronto team that's catching fire right now and it's not that big of a deal for Philly to drop this game? I think the late the 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 stretch of run this like stretch of games that we've had, uh, including that hard West Coast trip, yeah, that they undertook. Uh, really emphasize two things. I still think this team can contend. However, we need to make a move. You, They need another 3 and D guy, and they need a microwave scorer off the bench. They need someone like Jordan Clarkson, who torched us last week. They need somebody like him, like that. That is, he, you're, you're, you're not relying on him every day, right, per se. But yeah. in the playoffs, he can win you – like three or four games throughout the, throughout the, throughout the series or throughout the, the playoffs playoff run, you know, like yeah, one, just game a guy per, that can like, one game per series. To me, there's, they're just missing someone who's a, a great combination of <clears throat> ball handling and shooting right now. I think that's Tyrese Maxey, who's very good on pick and rolls, but at the same time, doc rivers has to change up that second unit because it's been so inefficient. It's been incredibly mm-hmm. inefficient. And I think getting Ben and Shake back will help in the short term. But get Furkan Korkmaz, get the fuck out of Philly. I know. I saw I two, of those, gone so fucking two of those turnovers against the Bulls. I wanted to vomit. Even I could have made a better pass. That was – he is not good enough to think that he could be a, a driver on offense and try and catch the ball and take a quick jab step and drive to the hoop. He's not good enough for that. And he's too inconsistent from three point range to even make a fucking difference. He's not good enough. He thinks he doesn't that play he's, defense either. He, he thinks he's this like Larry bird type player. And it's like, no, you're like, we need you to shoot. That is it. I don't defend decently. Well, just launch from three and fucking make them. That's it. And make irrational them consistently. confidence guy. He's an irrational exactly. confidence guy. He's, he's Dion. He's like Dion waiters kind of. And oh, yeah. it's, I, that's an insult to Dion waiters. Yeah, that's true. Cause Dion waiters is definitely better. Um, yeah, it's, it's, we, you know, there's, there's the, the conventional thought when it comes to the NBA playoffs for a while now is that you need eight or not, you need eight guys. It's been eight, but, uh, last year I remember listening to, uh, KG, Kevin Garnett on Bill Simmons podcast. And he said, no, nah, you need nine motherfuckers. If you want to win. <laughs> that sounds like KG. Direct, that direct like quote KG. from KJ. And he <laughs> pointed it out. Cause he's like, yes, you're usually going to use a rotation bait, but you always have to plan for that injury that without a doubt it's going to happen. Yeah. He's like, so you technically need to go to battle with nine. So we have our starting five, you know, but even then, like you could probably upgrade someone for Danny green and put Danny green on the bench unit. And I think that might help because it would give them a veteran presence and someone to kind of be a leader because right now that's what they don't have. Like the white's yeah. not a leader. He's a veteran, but he's not a leader. Shake a is shake, but, but he's not yeah. a leader. Shake is shake. But even he like, you know, kind of comes and goes. Um, unfortunately I love Maxi, but he right now he's not ready for this moment and he's not going to be ready come playoffs. No, his, inc- his, his, He's a little too inconsistent, and his his um you know his inexperience shows. He had a play on Friday, and this is a this is a classic Ryan Archie Diacono move, where he you know he drove to the hole like just absolutely like abused Maxi, just drove right by him. Boom, two points, and then he Sounds kind like of Villanova started. Guard. 
started lingering around. Uh, I don't even know who it was. It might've been Dwight Howard who was just waiting for the inbounds to get it right back. And, you know, knew that was waiting to see what Maxie would do. And Maxie fell right into the trap threw a lazy ass fucking bounce pass. Howard didn't bother to come forward for it. Just stood there like, Oh, I guess I'll just wait for this ball to come to me. Archie, Archie Diakono swoops in, takes it to the hole. And then to add the compound to misery, Maxie, clobbers him in midair when he already had the ball halfway down the hoop. So yeah. it's a three-point play. So like that, in a span of about 15 seconds, he handed the Bulls five points. And, I, you know, he'll learn from that. He's still young, yeah, but that's yeah, the yeah, kind yeah. of shit you can't be doing in the playoffs if you want to be a title contender. No, exactly. And I don't think it's it's reasonable to put all the entire, like, give the ball to Maxi and say, hey, lead the second unit and go take, like, go – go take over the second unit or take over this portion of the game. That's, that's not reasonable for any, for most no. players, let alone a rookie coming out of Kentucky with only one year of experience. Agreed. Um, so I think, I think Isaiah Joe is a great candidate for more playing time. I think he adds good length. He's not incredibly like Matisse Thibault <laughs> defensive level, but he still can offer you some versatility. He can handle the ball really well on pick and rolls and, when you want either Joel or Ben off the ball, I think he can, he can't, we've seen him make threes. He can go on a run where he's making everything from downtown. So I think I would like to see him get more experience, get more reps, but I agree. Get a veteran shooter, get a veteran microwave off the bench. A guy like what, what is, what are the Clippers going to do with Lou Williams? Like he's yeah, not getting Lou as Williams much playing is, time. But Lou Williams has proven that he chokes it in the playoffs. Unfortunately. That's true, but I would I would be more confident in just giving the ball to Lou Williams and just letting the chips fall rather than going to battle with the roster that we have now and saying, like, right. oh, Furkan's we, no, we checking need into make, the game. Like, ugh, why do I need Furkan in my life? We need to make a change. Like, you can't not – like, this without – so, like, as we were saying, you have the starting five, and then yeah. you have Shake, the Tyrese. White, and – and uh, Matisse, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't think Isaiah Joe and Maxie really are going to sniff. So that's eight right there. I think they will because I think Shake definitely. Well, you already mentioned Shake. I think, I think Isaiah Joe will, depending on how Danny Green performs this upcoming stretch. Because if you look at the schedule right now, um, play Toronto again tomorrow night. We better uh, come out like gangbusters and whoop their ass for what they how they played yesterday. Exactly. So we have Toronto, Dallas, Cleveland, Indiana, and Utah. We host four of those games. We they're still in Toronto. The Sixers are still in Toronto or Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. Whatever. Toronto, Dallas, Cleveland, Indiana, and then Utah. Utah. So that so Dallas finally has Kristaps back. Well, shouldn't say finally, but they've had him back for a while. And yeah, but he hasn't they're looking good. like it, no, he has not. He's had spurts and great outings from time to time, but he's not as consistent as he was last season. Cleveland is sitting Andre Drummond, who's their best player, uh, for the most part until they trade him. Indiana, I want to talk it, about that if you don't mind after we go through this. No, so Indy, I'm just going to give my prediction for this record for the rest of the first half of the season. Indiana, okay. very solid team. I think they're underrated in the East and could really give the Sixers a lot of problems. 
uh, and Utah is Utah. That that game to me is going to tell me how this team is going to look come playoff time because how are you going to respond to hosting the team that Jordan Clarkson was talking trash, Rudy Gobert talking trash, and how are you going to respond to that? Are you going to come out firing and come out with that killer instinct, or are you just going to play quarter by quarter and just see how things go? So I think that's going to be a huge game because that's going to be that's like our, a playoff. That's the rest of the games before the playoffs or for, before the all-star break? Yeah. So okay. overall, I think this record, I think they'll go three and two. I think they could go positive, but they got to get a win against Indiana. I think they'll drop that Dallas game, and I think they'll drop – maybe they'll drop Indiana, but I wouldn't be surprised if they if they drop that, that Cleveland game too. So I'm on the fence. I'm leaning more towards three and two just because they'll come – I think they'll come back responding against Utah. I think they'll play well against Indiana, and then – that Dallas game is going to be really interesting, but I think they'll win in this comeback game against Toronto because now they know, like, hey, we got to turn up and just absolutely go balls to the wall. So we have four straight at home after this game, after tomorrow's game. Yep, finish the regular okay. season at home. Um, yeah, three and two, I agree with you there, but I'd, I'd like to see it four and one. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So As long as we win that Utah game, I will be – Utah and Cleveland, those are two games they must win. Any other game, depending on how it goes, I'm complicit with the result. I would say Utah and Indiana, I would say those are the two must wins. Because Indiana is yeah. like the only other team that has uh, that has like a solid outside of Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and Philly. And well, that's the other thing. Milwaukee Brooklyn is really starting to – yeah, Milwaukee's going one way and Brooklyn, Brooklyn's starting to worry me. I, I didn't yeah, think Brooklyn it would be able worse. to work, but somehow <laughs> surprisingly the, the two of them are, were we knew KD was always going to be willing to uh, um, give up shots, but I'm surprised at Harden. And now granted they don't play defense worth a lick. Um, yeah. But they can they score with have, anyone. And, but, and the, th- the, our main advantage right now, is they don't have a single freaking person they can stop. Uh, Joel, because um, mm-hmm. the corpse that is DeAndre Jordan isn't doing shit against him. Uh, that's why I think it was so stupid to get rid of Jared Allen in that trade. But what are you going to do? Um, yeah, so, they were yeah. going. They knew they were going for broke in that trade, and they were going to have to part with some players that they didn't want to part with in the end. Kind of like that Paul George OKC trade where they, oh, uh, Clippers had to give up like Shea Gil- Gilgis Alexander. Alexander. Like, the Clippers did not want to give him up. Um, well, speaking of Jared Allen. Uh, the man yeah, talk that about Andre Andre, Andre Drummond. Drummond is getting sat because they want to play Jared Allen more. Uh, so Draymond Green came out, and you know you see this a lot. This happens from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, and for once, I actually a hundred percent agree with Draymond Green because now he his the the comparison he used i don't really agree with because fuck james harden he should have got all this shit that he got for how he how he did houston dirty like that yeah um showing up overweight you know not reporting the camp and being seen out in the middle of a Clear, pandemic clearly and, not trying in certain and, parts of the game right you know your your te- your teammates are at are at camp trying to get ready for this upcoming season and there's pictures of you and some dumbass looking tunic one piece or whatever 
It's not dumb because it's a tunic. It's dumb because he looked like an idiot in it at some nightclub in the middle of a pandemic without a mask on. Like, uh, you know, and so he should have got the shit that he got. But I agree with the 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 major theory that Draymond is uh, kind of trying to get out there that it's like the players can get shit on for so many things. But how come these organizations never had to take responsibility for when they do shady shit, like don't play Andre Drummond because they want to trade him. And it's yeah. like, cool, I get that you're trying to protect the asset because you don't want him to get him injured. But if Andre Drummond went to them himself and was straight up like, well, I want you guys to trade me and I'm not going to play, everyone would give him so much shit. Yeah. Even if he yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. well, I don't want to play because I don't, I want to leave this team, but I don't want to risk the injury. Mm-hmm. But when it's flipped, the Cavaliers aren't, and Dan Gilbert and his scummy ass aren't, and it's and it's bullshit. It's a double standard, and I agree with Draymond. I agree with Draymond Green, and something needs to be done about it. Adam Silver needs to step up, and it needs to be like, listen, you have a week, like, or it should be like a week maximum, or like, if you end up playing like four games in that week, a four game maximum. That yeah. something like that, where it's like you can only sit him for this amount of time. Yeah. And yeah, if you yeah. don't, then you have to start on. playing him again. And that yeah. will, I think, because they're just going to sit on their asses until they have to with it. Uh-huh. And so Andre is just sitting at home and it's like, yeah, cool. People He's not even like, sitting at home. That's the thing. He's sitting on the bench yeah. in street clothes, completely healthy and not doing anything with, with, except with talking team, to his teammates. For, yeah. For a team that doesn't want him, even though his teammates probably like him. And people would be like, oh, he's a millionaire. You can suck it up. It's like, no, man. Like, that sucks. He he wants to just be out there playing the game he loves. And, you know, and now because his organization has made this trade and deems that he's no longer necessary, he, he just has to sit there and not be able to do anything? Yeah. And, it's, and it's then not, ridiculous. not only that, they're hurting his value because the less, the more time it goes without him playing, the, the teams are going to be more hesitant because it's going to be like, well, we don't know what we're getting now because he's going to have to get mm-hmm. back in the playing shape. He's going to have to get, you know what I mean? And it's just a shitty situation and it happens way too often. And Adam Silver in the league needs to do something to rectify it because, you know, the players can basically sneeze the wrong way and get shit on. And, you know, these owners can do whatever they want. And, it, you know, it, it, it just goes, it's, you know, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. So. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's ridiculous to just for teams to be able to say, Hey, sit on the bench until we trade you. Like that's, that's like thirties, like 1930s baseball, where these teams just had complete control over the players contracts mm-hmm. and didn't have any right. The players didn't have any rights. Yeah, 1970s baseball, Matt. It wasn't until they, you know, they, they, forced yeah, but I was just agency. like, like strictly like world war like pre-world war ii is what i'm talking about like right. there was no i know um but yeah it, it is ridiculous and i do agree with draymond green that there is a standard and i think that the nba has to get to a point where it's a relationship between player and organization where listen just trust us on this sit out these couple of games we'll try and find a deal with you and it's got to be like a give or take you know i think that there is we've seen too many instances like the james harden trade saga like there are just too many instances where players are just completely using their power over the over the team to Mm -hmm. cry like a bunch of babies not saying that james harden did that well yeah i'm kind of saying he did because he 
basically ruined the culture of the Rockets for a little bit. Um, He's such that's a what bitch. Is, that's he, what he, shouldn't, he shouldn't be allowed to be an all-star or get MVP votes this year for that shit. I'm not going to say that because he's just trying to force his way out. Uh, he, he, it's James Harden. He's still a fucking all-star. Like, there's just – I know, but it's <laughs> like that shit he pulled yesterday to win the game. Oh, my God. What a little – what a flop. I just hate the flopping in general. Like, it feels yeah. like – what was it? Like, 09? It felt like – what was it? Like, 2012, 2015? When it felt like there was a flopping crisis going around. Going around. Mm-hmm. I remember Stern was still commissioner at that point. So, it must have been, like, 2014 around then but um the yeah, flopping is silver ridiculous take over? like did silver take over 2015 yeah but oh, uh, yeah, let's... stern was still yeah okay so all right but yeah uh let's move on the phillies uh are bringing on a surprise invite odubel herrera for those who may have forgotten odubel herrera was felt like our only all-star and our only bright spot for two or three good years. And then the Phillies decided to cut him due to uh, allegations of, or I shouldn't say allegations, but charges of domestic violence. This time around, the Phillies are inviting him to the to spring training as part of a non-roster invitee. Uh, Assuming Herrera does what he has to do, gets the teammates trust back, gets back on the team, whatever. Do you think that he can be a productive addition to this team still at this point? So this is the tough thing. I understand it at some point you have to separate like baseball and what happens off the field. But as we had a discussion earlier, uh, in my book, there, there's like, there's no room in this world for people who beat women. Um, and uh, I just, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't agree with it. I think if you do it, you're a scumbag and a piece of shit and you deserve the rat rot in a prison cell. Um, I just, I just, I just don't, there's nothing about it that I like. Uh, that said, the, um, the girl eventually dropped the charges, you know, He's, you know, faced his penalty and he's, you know, what, it's been two seasons now he's basically missed. Um, You know, taking aside the fact that he's a woman beater and he did what he did. um, If he's, you know, seriously sorry about what he did and he's, and he, and he's learned his lesson and he's taken the time and he's uh, truly, like I, I guess say re- rehabilitated and, and wants to do better and, and is sincerely sorry for his actions. Um, yeah. Give him a try, man. If he can get back to how he was playing uh, the year that, that all happened was, yeah. So like, and what was that? Well, in 2018, 2018, 2019. Yeah. He was both, both years. He was, he was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was fun to watch play. Um, he had developed into a really solid hitter. Um, he was a decent fielder, a little, little clumsy, but, uh, I mean, it couldn't hurt. We need another bat off the bench or in the outfield. Um, that said, if he returns to form and his teammates accept him and everyone, you know, sits down and talks to him and says, Hey, you know, we accept your apology. 
you know, we want to help you grow as a person ourselves. And he's welcome to the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and he somehow makes the team awesome. But at the same time, I'm not going to lie. It's going to be hard to cheer for him. It really is. I agree. It, it's going to be hard to sit there and be like, yo, Dubal, and like laugh at the dumb shit that he used to do that was so funny because it's like, yo, Dubal. El Torito. Like, you know, no, oh, Dubal, because, you know, was this the first time? Was this the only time? You know, had there been other instances? And this girl who is, mind you, a 19 year old and he was 27. So let's start there. Like, let's, you know, there's that too. Um, but in the uh, end, just, in the end, it's, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm glad he's getting a second chance because I think everyone deserves a second chance. But he's on a very, he should be on a very thin leash. And, uh, you mean shortly? You should, yeah. Sorry, thank you. <laughs> uh, late, long day at work. Um, it's a very short leash, and if he comes in there and shows that he is sorry and that he's willing to, you know, repent for what he's done, not to like be too religious there, but like you know, he comes in, puts his head down, works his ass off, is a good teammate, is a good person off the field. Um, you know, does what the organization asks, then mm-hmm. okay, I'm all for it. Especially if he still got the he still got the talent. But if he comes in and is just like, oh cool, I got my second chance, and just goes back to being like, you know, his jack jackassery, like then I want nothing to do with it. Like you're getting a second chance. Here's, you're lucky you're getting a second chance. Yeah, like, here's my take it seriously. Here's, here's my take. As much as I would like to separate, uh outside uh instances and charges and arrests or whatever like i understand what the phillies are trying to do like he's still set to make 10 million dollars this year like he's still set to make money whether he plays or not so i understand the phillies saying hey we're still paying this guy on our payroll let's just try and see if he has anything if he has the talent if we think we can get him back into shape get him back into this game then why not give it a shot and see what happens? We have Joe Girardi, who's a World Series winning manager. We have we're starting to get the right pieces around. We got JJ JT Raw Muto back. We got DD, who's a quality shortstop. And from all accounts, nothing bad has gone now got been reported about him as a teammate. He's um, a great yeah, he, everything you hear is that he's a great teammate. He's a great clubhouse guy. Yeah. So if like those those clubhouse guys like Girardi, um, Girardi, like Reese Hoskins, like like if the big names, the big names start backing him up and saying, "Listen, he's talked to us about this behind closed doors. We believe that he's re- like rehabilitated and he's done everything they need to do. He just says that he wants to put his head head down the whole nine yards, all that. Then I'll be more willing and open to see how he proves himself. Like you said, if he just goes back to kind of act, I shouldn't say kind of, but if he goes back to acting like nothing ever happened or he thinks that he can just slide right back into his his celebrations and stuff like that, then that's where my hesitation and my doubt is going to be because I don't – you can't just go back and expect everything gonna, to be all right. You got to be a pro's pro. You got to reestablish yourself as one of the best outfielders on this team, let alone in the whole league. Um, but it, like I said, if, if the – big clubhouse names and the big leaders start stepping up and in, in the press say he's doing everything that he needs to do, then I'm willing to give him a second chance and just to see what happens. Uh, but I thought it was a really interesting storyline just to see how, how culture. this all pans out. 
Yeah. Culture is a big is the culture in the Phillies locker room strong enough to to give this guy a support system and have him be willing to adapt. It's 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 both sides. The Phillies got to have the right culture and Oduble mm-hmm. has to be willing to make amends and, and say, "Hey, I fucked up, guys, and I'm but I'm here and I'm going to do everything I can to make it right for you, for the fans, for my family, for the victim's family, for everything." Mm-hmm. And those two things need to happen. If they happen, I think it could be a successful story. Um, I, he's just got to be prepared. He's got to know that if there's fans in these stadiums this, this year, he's going to catch shit if he's on the team. You yeah. know people are going to – are you know the Mets fans especially are going to be waiting to just eat this kid alive, and he's got to be ready for that. And um, so – I uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, yeah, we'll it's see. an interesting storyline, and it's definitely something to keep an eye on uh, uh, during the um, during the spring training. Definitely, but let's move on to the Eagles. Uh, in the last episode, I gave my take on the Carson Wentz trade. The Eagles aren't done making moves, though. They are officially well. The, once the new league year begins, they're officially releasing Deshaun Jackson, and they're also expected to release Alshon Jeffrey. Bye uh, bye. To to youth in there they're receiving core um i'm just going to give my take on the jeffrey and jackson releases before you go into your give us your reaction on the carson Wentz trade if you haven't heard my reaction go check out the last episode uh i gave it all there left it all on the line um as for these two receivers deshaun jackson and alshon jeffrey it pains me to release deshaun jackson again for a second time but i understand he was riddled with injuries throughout his two years in his second second stint with the Eagles. He gave us some incredible moments, gave us some incredible incredible nostalgia, especially that first first game of the season against Washington two years ago or a year ago, uh, where he, he popped off and had like 100-plus yards, had like a 54-yard touchdown. And then this past season, 81-yard touchdown from Jalen Hurts. That He gave us some good moments, but in the end, it's – it's just smarter for the Eagles to go younger. And I got to give the front office credit for this one. They're making two smart moves. Alshon Jeffrey really changed his perception within this city after it got leaked out that he was the anonymous Eagle making reports of talking about how bad of a leader Carson Wentz is and all that stuff. It just wasn't going to work out. Jeffrey isn't built for this team that the direction that they're going in with this quarterback, he needs someone who can stay stationary and launch it from deep. Who knows where they'll go because I'm sure they're going to look to ring chase or at least go somewhere that they can contend, which they deserve, rightfully so. Um, But, Timmy, give me your reactions to the Carson Wentz trade and these two releases in a relatively short period of time. So the Wentz thing in my book shows two things. Number one, uh, it shows that – Howie Roseman can't orchestrate a trade, but also there probably wasn't a market. And the fact that they got the conditional first rounder in there is good because that should become a first rounder unless he gets injured uh, and they decide to bench him. So they, they don't lose a good pick. Secondly, um, it just shows how much of a cancer he, had, I guess had become in the locker room uh, and how willing the Eagles were to get rid of him because obviously only getting a second with the, the conditional 
the condition it could become a first and a third rounder for this guy when Jared Goff was just traded for two first rounders. And, you know, uh, Jared Goff's best year versus Carson Wentz's best year doesn't even compare, in my opinion. Um, and Matthew Stafford, as much as I like him as a guy who's never won anything in this league, was traded for two first rounders and something, some other things. Um, obviously, that was the same deal, but I, I, I just, uh, you know, it sucks. It's it's so weird that, you know, it's over this quickly. Like, you know, 2017, it was like, oh, my God, we finally got our guy. But only in Philly can you have a season like you did and he did in 2017, get injured, and then everything just fall apart. Um, you know, you don't know what reports to believe. You don't know who's true and who's not. But it, for all intents and purposes, it really is starting to sound like that he didn't put the work in. He's kind of a baby. He doesn't like to be coached hard. And he's a prima donna. And you know what? If that's how it's going to be, then good riddance. Get the fuck out of here. Take your bags. We don't want Get you. Get the fuck out of here. Go have fun in Indy. Uh, a rookie just told you you're not going to get your number 11. So that shows you where you stand in this league. Um, and, you know, hey, hopefully he's successful for him. But at the same time, you know, I'm not going to feel bad for him if he's not, especially since apparently he just seems to – it seems that he's kind of an asshole and a selfish dude. Um, as far as the wide receiver cuts, um, yeah, it sucks with Deshaun. You know, but I was never a big fan of the move when we did it the second time around because I thought he was kind of over the hill and he hadn't really played a full season. Uh, and then in three or four years, he was injured on the Bucks a lot and even with the Redskins. Um, hey, hey, I think hey we Washington reached, football team. Hey. Oh, yeah, sorry. On, um, you know, the Dan Snyder scumbags. Um, and uh, name. I think that we – how is he still allowed to own a team? Whatever. Uh, I think that we we gave Deshaun that second contract, hoping he could become something, but also because he torched us the season before when we went to Tampa Bay the yeah. year after we won the Super Bowl, and I think yep. that was that was that was a one hundred percent in Eagles because instantly after that, uh, Alshon, you know, he was a big part. He was integral to us winning the Super Bowl. He was awesome, but. I think as it went on, it became very clear that he was a cancer in the locker room himself. And that's a move that should have been made last year, but they didn't make it. And, you know, thanks for the Super Bowl, but another one, good riddance. It sucks to see Deshaun go. I, I think he needs to hang it up. Um, maybe he can come back in some sort of capacity with the organization. Uh, He's going to keep Because he should, be an, he should be an eagle. He should be, you know, around this organization in any way he can. Uh, but. Alshon, you know, and I don't think this is the last of the moves either, Matt. I think that there's going to be some more cuts that, that are coming. Oh, Peters um, is gone. This roster, he needs to be gone. He needs to, he he needs needs to, to be retire. Yeah. This this roster needs a, a, needs a major overhaul. And after that introductory press conference, I'm starting to question whether or not this is the guy, the right guy for it. Uh, and Sirianni or Sarani or however you say his name. That was that was the whole fucking point of hiring him was to be the the guy who could fix Wentz. And now we 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 fired our only fucking Super Bowl winning head coach. 
we now we've released the guy who is supposed to be our starting franchise quarterback. And now we may possibly there are reports John Clark reported of NBC Sports Philly that Jalen Hurts isn't necessarily guaranteed the starting role either. So we may draft yeah. our third third franchise quarterback over four to five years. Yeah, I don't think uh, uh, I I don't think they are. They have no idea what the fuck they're doing. I'm going to be honest. Dude, I don't, the front I don't office think has no idea what the fuck they're doing. They're they're not as in love with Jalen Hurts as they made everyone believe. And I don't get it. Why not, man? Just give him a shot. He looked solid. Like, you know, just uh, a, a, a young, like, so they're going to, they're going to go and waste another fucking top 10 draft pick on a QB. Draft that, Mika Parsons, draft Jamar Chase, draft a weapon. Yeah. You don't need anyone else at fucking quarterback. I would, dude, I would love Michael Parsons at six. I would love Michael. We haven't had a stud linebacker since Trotter and then before him, Seth Joyner. We really mm-hmm. have not. We have not had that, that guy in the middle. Of, like, the, the D-line is getting up there. Like, in two years or so, Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox are going to be absolutely fucking useless. And Barnett hasn't shown that he can fill the, the role. Um, no. You know, Josh Sweat I like, but he doesn't. he's not consistent enough. It's just – it's so, it's, so it's a giant question mark on this whole team. So, you know, I mean, he, there's no optimism anywhere. So here's a hypothetical. You have these three potential players on your draft board to take. Jamar Chase, Mika Parsons, and Penny Sewell to draft. Who who are you taking? I know who I'm taking in a heartbeat. I want to say Parsons, but oh man. Sue or Suau or Penny, however you say his name, would Penny. would fix a lot of problems. Yeah, uh, yep, yep. You mean to tell me a line with Brandon Brooks, Andre Dillard, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson? He's still solid. He's still a good tackle. And Penny Sewell is not one of the best offensive line units in the top in the NFL. And you could even throw in Jordan Jordan Molita if. At, God forbid, Lane Johnson, who as will a swing as a swing guy, yeah, yeah, swing you guy. could throw Jordan Molita in there if you want to, in a couple of times. I think that is a great fucking move. I hope the Eagles somehow move up in the in the draft, but I don't think they're going to because I think it'll cost too much. No, um, I'm fine at number six. I mean, because you got to think. So you got you got to think the Jags are taking Trevor Lawrence with one. Yep. The Bengals are the Bengals at two. No, uh, uh, what Jets? Jets. So they're apparently the reports that are coming now is that they're like in love with Zach Wilson, mm-hmm. which I don't get. I don't think he's going to be anything special. He's to uh, me, he's I would, not. I would, dis- I would disagree with that, but I continue. Just, I he, he didn't impress me against Coastal Carolina, and as much as it was fun to watch Coastal Carolina, like have that Cinderella season, like I don't know, mm-hmm. it's not like you're going to see a lot of those guys on that team as stars in the NFL. Yeah. Um, I think they're ready to move on from Sam Darnold. Uh, so it's either Zach Wilson or Fields. And then, then number three, Miami has that pick as of right now. Now. What, what do they do with the, the Deshaun Watson trade? Well, they, you know, it's they, and they, they still have Tua, who you can't give up on Tua this easily. 
It was no. one year. Yeah. And it wasn't, exactly. it wasn't even like he threw. See, dude, it's not even. People, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think that it's not so much giving up on Tua. It's because they know Deshaun Watson is a game changing quarterback. Yeah, but they're not going to. But so can Tua. And, but they're not going to. The, the Texans aren't. I don't. I just. I don't see him. I don't see him trading. And, and I get why, but I just. I just don't see it happening yet. Like he will go, but I don't. I don't know if it's going to be to the Dolphins. And mm-hmm. I. I just. I don't get like people forget that Peyton Manning set the record for, for interceptions in yep. a season his rookie year. Yep. And not everyone wasn't like, oh my god, he's a boss. Get rid of Peyton Manning. And it's not just because he was Peyton Manning. It's because. Everyone back then knew it took time. Donovan McNabb sat his rookie year. Patrick McHolmes sat his rookie year. This is what you do in the NFL. You're most likely not always going to be ready to come in and play. Yeah, but let's and get, people let's get forget back to that. Yeah, but let's get back to the draft. So, so what, they have to uh, unless they're trading Atlanta. For, Atlanta, do they pick up Wilson or Fields to replace Matt Ryan? Yes, yes, absolutely. And if Fields is there. You better believe they're taking him because he's the hometown boy, and mm-hmm. they will probably sit him for a year. Matt, let Matt Ryan run out that contract, or at least play one more year, knowing that hey, maybe we can be good. But if not, we suck again. Oh well, like because Atlanta, Atlanta was the you know how you always had the good bad team, the team that gets into the playoffs that should. Yeah. Atlanta was the opposite. Is that team that's the opposite? That's the bad good team that yeah. lost a couple close games and injuries hit. And before is, you knew it, they were so far behind the eight ball, there was no point in making it up. This Atlanta team is the version, is the NFL version of the Lob City Clippers. Yes. Yes. That's what they yeah. are. A team with Pretty so much. much talent, so much firepower, yet cannot get over the hump. They're they're the Anaheim Mighty Ducks from the mid-2000s who constantly choked away the Western Conference Finals or Western Conference Semifinals when having leads and then choking it away in seven games. Mm-hmm. They did it like three so, or four times. Exactly. So then who's five? Cincinnati. That's where oh, the thing yeah. is. Do they do they get pool Sene pool? Penny Sewell. Yeah. God, I just yeah, they, yeah, Penny Sewell, Penny Sewell yeah. to so they'll um, take him to because their line is so atrocious. They need to, but here's they need the to thing, keep Darrow upright. Here's the outright here's the outlier possibility. Do they draft a wide receiver to give him an offensive weapon? Not saying that's that's logical or the no, best move. Because I because I think they have enough there for him right now with uh, with um, Tyler Boyd, with Tyler Boyd, and uh, what's his name? AJ Green. It no, he's probably done there. Uh, the the kid from Clemson, the that was the rookie. Oh, T Higgins. T Higgins. So that you have those two. Um, maybe they give John Ross another chance if they haven't already cut him. Uh, they they have enough for him right there, and, and you have Mixon still at running back. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, so their main concern has to be upgrading that offensive line to keep him upright. Yeah. So I, mean, I think that's where Sewell goes. So then yeah. it's it's really Parsons. we'll most likely be looking at Parsons or Jamar Chase. And as much as I love Jamar Chase, I would take Parsons in a heartbeat. If it's between those two, I'd rather take Jamar Chase. Because imagine – just imagine a wide receiving core with Jamar Chase, Jalen Rager – you have Fulgham. If Fulgham gets his head right, you have Fulgham. That's a 
very good wide receiving core. It makes me feel much better about this offense compared to only a year ago when it felt like we had nobodies. When Greg Ward's your number four, you're actually in a pretty solid position. And clearly Goddard's going to be the number one now because they're looking to move Zach Ertz. Yeah, so I'd rather take Jamar Chase, get that offensive firepower, get Hertz as much weapon, as many weapons as possible. And I guess I'm more willing to let a linebacker walk and succeed elsewhere rather than putting that pressure on a hometown kid to come in and succeed. Because Kobe was in that situation when he was coming out was, are the Sixers going to draft Kobe? Is the hometown kid coming back? Is he going to play in the spectrum just like his dad did? That that yeah, type but of pressure. they were never not taking Iverson. No, that's true. But I'm just saying that, the, no, that I, was a speculation yeah. coming around. And I'd rather see Parsons like, hey, he's a Penn State guy, native, like Philly area guy. Let him go succeed elsewhere and do Is well. Is he a Philly area guy? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I could be completely wrong. I know he's a Penn State dude. I just didn't know. I thought he was like a. I There's, thought he was one of the there outskirts. is nothing wrong with double checking my research. Yeah, he's from Harrisburg. Uh, well, I don't well, know if you consider that Philly area, but where'd he go McDevitt? for high school? No, Harrisburg Harris, High School. For Ta- Harrisburg, okay. Um, but I'd, I'd rather well, either way, he's going to be like kind of the hometown kid, whether he goes to the the Steelers or the the Eagles. But um, either way, I'd rather walk away and take the risk of him succeeding elsewhere instead of just passing up Jamar Chase, because I do not want another fucking Justin Jefferson repeat. I do not want that. As much as I love Jalen Rager, I love what he's saying about getting a chip on his shoulder and trying to pr- prove that he belonged in the draft spot that he was taking. He's got to go prove it this year by staying healthy and just balling mm-hmm. out. And he showed a little bit of that. He showed a little bit of that, but um, it's just not enough right so, now. So for when... you, for you, it'd be Penny Sewell, Chase Parsons. If Sewell was there, yes, yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, you know what? I actually, <laughs> yeah, you're right. We need Chase more. It's like you have that's a and you need Chase, monster. not Jalen, not Jalen Waddle. You need Chase. Yeah, and that's a three-headed monster with Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, and Jamar Chase. That is a deadly, deadly uh, triplet pairing. Um. What do you and think they're going to get for Earths? What do you think? Not much. Probably a second-round pick. His, I'll take his, it. I mean, it's not bad, but I'd rather see more considering he was an all-pro not that long ago. Yeah, but tight ends, that the, the tight end fad kind of died. I would, I would, I would be Although happy with – people need good tight ends. Two second-round picks I will be happy with. I'll do that. I think, se- I think you get a second and a fourth. Ugh. God. Yeah. That's and speaking impressive. of linebackers, I w- I'm I'm interested to see what they do with that kid. Uh, Singleton? No, 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 no. The kid didn't play a lot because he we did, we took him out of Colorado. Um, your brother know. and Pat are gonna laugh when they hear me say that because they always give me crap for being a Colorado fan. Uh, I mean, it's not completely unreasonable considering you went to Drexel for a year and went to Millersville, Colorado. Needless to say, is a little bit do? out of left field. Am I gonna do? Am I gonna root for? Am I gonna root for Drexel? No, but I'm no. just saying, if you tell people that you went to Drexel and Millersville, oh. it's gonna be weird to say that you're a Colorado fan, nonetheless. Uh, I should. I like I liked uh, Rashawn Salam when I was growing up. He's a man. <laughs> I'm not. Hey, you don't gotta explain it to me. I understand it. No, it's uh, no, it's weirder that I like Vanderbilt. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That is true. 
Uh, two more, two more rocker coming out of the gates with a stud performance today. <laughs> uh, was it Edwards? TJ Edwards? No, 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 no. TJ Edwards is a Wisconsin kid. Uh, oh right. Davion Davion Taylor. Yeah, him. He was this. He's the kid who was the Seventh Day Adventist church kid who he like only played one game in high school because his religion doesn't allow him to play recreational oh. activities until after the sun goes down on Friday. Yeah. And because his games yeah. would start on Friday when the sun was still <laughs> up. Yeah. He, he wasn't, he played one game. So he went to his junior college and then he went to Colorado, but he's, a he's, a, he's, he's got, he's got really good speed. He's a, he's a menace. The problem is he just doesn't know the game too mm. well. So I'm interested to see what, what they're going to do. I mean, they took him in the fourth round. So they clearly think he's got the skill. And all the reports, all all Kuiper and McShay and them ever said, and all the reports you ever read said, if this kid had played more and even possibly at a higher institution or played more than just two years of D1 football, he has this, he had the skill to be a round two, uh, uh, round two pick. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll, Hey, for all of our listeners, Davion Taylor, name to keep an eye on as the Eagles. Well, I don't. Hope. That's the thing because you, you you barely heard anything about him this year. Yeah. So yeah. it worries me is he that he's not understanding the playbook. But then again, now it's a new playbook. Um, and they're going to be more willing hired? to give their young young kids uh more playing yeah. time. Who did we hire as our, as our defensive coordinator? I don't. At this point, I try and forget certain things about this fucking team and this fucking organization when uh we have such a shitty off season like we've had who the fuck what the fuck okay jonathan gannon jim schwartz is son of son of rich st joe's procreate i have no idea uh he was indy's defensive coordinator so he worked with uh sirianni last season d-backs coach yeah all right. So anyway. we'll see how that goes, but uh, let's move on to some college hoops because do a little bit of a wrap up here. Uh, Michigan beat number three, Michigan beat number four, Ohio state. And for some reason there was no movement in the pollings at all uh, for anyone who needs a refresher top five remains unchanged Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, Ohio state, and Illinois in that order, Alabama, Oklahoma, Villanova, and Iowa, and West Virginia rank out the top 10. Florida State moves up to number 11 after being number 16. Houston t- takes a tumble six spots to number 12. Uh, just other noticeable uh, fallings or raisings. Uh, Virginia fell down eight spots to number 15 after losing to Duke. Kansas moves up six spots to number 17. Texas Tech falls down three spots to number 18, and they are currently losing by two points to Oklahoma State. Uh, How many spots did Florida State climb? Florida State climbed five. They're at number 11. Told you, man. And then – They're getting scary. Tennessee fell down to number 25. They fell six spots. Missouri fell again to number 24. They fell down four spots. And San Diego State – Cracked the top five, top twenty five. They're at number twenty two, and Arkansas moves into number twenty. Uh, they came up four spots. So, I mean, the only games that caught my attention were Duke, Duke and Virginia. Duke won, obviously. 
uh, which is why we're talking about it. Uh, and then Michigan and Ohio State, which for some reason led to no movement in the AP polls, which made absolutely no sense to me. If a number four loses to a number three, they lo- they fall no matter what. They fall. Especially when number five absolutely demolished a team who uh, – at the time was 13 and 0 or 13 and 1 on their home court and they went in there and team in Minnesota who could make the tournament uh and uh Illinois went in there and absolutely bent them over a table uh <laughs> to the tune of a 31 point win i don't they it they no they, des- they destroyed them i Diosimo had another triple double it, it's know? incredible Illinois, I, Illinois. I will say, they're Illinois. They're peaking at the right time. They're peaking at the right time. On, we've both been harping on Illinois for this season. They are an incredible team to watch, uh, and they're they're a team that you will be caught off guard by the fact that they're number five. But make no mistake about it, they're one of the top five teams in the country. That make no mistake about that. Uh, but let, let's talk about. You this know what dude. caught me off guard too is Oklahoma. How they're number seven right now. That it's crazy. Makes, yeah, that's also wild. Uh, Duke. Let's see. so Duke. Yeah, Duke. Duke in Virginia. Duke is now on the bubble watch. All the all the networks are going to be pushing for Duke on the bubble. Uh, after We're Coach K, after Coach K was trying to get the season canceled because it, it was obvious his team was so bad. Now all of a sudden he wants the season canceled. Uh, does <laughs> does this does this Duke win mean anything or is it just? ACC is just so wild at this point that it should be expected. I mean, it's a nice win, but that Virginia lost both games last week. Florida State beat the shit out of them too, I think. Well, Duke didn't beat the shit out of them, but Florida State beat them by like double digits. Yeah, we were recording that that night. I remember that. Yeah. I'm telling you, watch out for Florida State. I honestly think Florida State's the best team in the ACC. I don't think it's Virginia. Um, but you know it. I said it. I so I I I, I was in a group chat. I think I said this before. Uh, with my three good friends from Millersville, two of us are UNC fans and two of us are Duke fans. Mm-hmm. And so I texted it and I said, Oh, here we go. The push to get Duke into the tournament. You guys are all, you guys are going to be back on the bubble. Literally the next day, Joe Lenardi and it's on ESPN. Welcome to the bubble Duke for what? Like, yeah, cool. It's a win. It's a big win. I get it. You beat them, uh... but it's not like you destroyed them. You 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 won. You blew a lead first of all, and then you you almost lost in a last second heave. And it's like, and then they spanked Syracuse tonight. A Syracuse team, mind you, who at one point was down twenty five to Notre Dame on their own floor. And trust me, I'm a Notre Dame fan, and Notre Dame ain't good. They're you know they're not. And uh, it's. You know, so now they're uh, they're eleven and eight, I think. In what sense of the world should they be in the tournament at eleven and eight? Even my buddies who are the Duke fans are like, "There's no way we get it unless we win the ACC tournament." Yeah. So As they a went out. Fan, I, it's the same story. If they win out, I think they're like. Uh, I think they have like three games left. Maybe I saw after tonight. So if they win Duke out, yeah, I think they'll be then they'll be fourteen and eight, and then maybe. But if anything, you should they should be the playing game, and it should be relying on the fact that they go and win a couple games in the ACC tournament. 
But if, if they if they if they even split these games and they end up with double digit losses and somehow get in, it's it'll be I'll be furious. It'll be such bullshit. Did you see uh did you see Bayheim? Did you see Bayheim getting getting slack for uh saying that Jalen Johnson leaving will help make Duke better? I mean he's not wrong. Uh, you no, know, I mean it has made him better. So maybe there was something up there. But yeah, like you said. You know, what was it, like a month ago, Coach King? Well, maybe we should cancel the season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Coach, and you don't die – you don't. You haven't been dying your hair for the better part of two decades. I, I can't stand them. I can't – shrivelly little voice. And then, oh, well, I think that we played a good <laughs> game tonight. Like, you know who actually does a hilarious uh, – Tate Frazier – on the Titus and from the Titus and Tate, like with Mark Titus, he literally does a spot on Coach K. It's like it's hilarious when he when he mocks them. Um, yeah, I mean, good win, but you should be nowhere. I don't think near it'll mean bubble. much. You yeah, should you should not be sniffing the bubble if if UNC is what 14 and seven, 13 and seven. That sounds about UNC right. had a big UNC had a nice win the other day. They are 14 points. and seven for fourth in the ACC. Okay, and we're barely getting talk about it. With us, it's like, oh, they might not be – they might not make it. They might not – like, they're on the bubble themselves. It's like, if we're on the bubble, if, we're, if UNC's on the bubble at 14-7, yeah, how the fuck Duke, is Duke should be on? nowhere near the bubble. Yeah. So, Duke should be underwater, not even looking at the bubble. So, and as you said, the Ohio State game too. But another game, I know and it seems meaningless, uh, but the Gonzaga game – Another absolute blowout. You know, their their starters were on the bench for the last 10 minutes of the second half. Uh, I just I just don't want – I watch Gonzaga with any hope that it will be a good game, and I'm like, Gonzaga wins it. Their offense like, is no on way. another level. The, you know, the, there's a couple cool things that, that came out of that game. Uh, Aaron Cook uh, taking the souls of two San Diego players on back-to-back plays with absolute <sighs> monster jams. Uh, that second one was just downright disrespectful. It was a drive-by shooting. He did snatch shooting. their souls. Um, but <laughs> that, is, that is Gonzaga's 19th win this year by by double digits. It's insane. They're, they won They won their game on Thursday by 30 points. If they, they if won they this miss, one by 40. If they don't make the Elite Eight, it's a bust. That's a disappointment. If they don't make the, no, if they don't make the Final Four, it's a bust. They don't, I'm not they willing need, to say Final Four because – win the National elite, Championship. Elite eight is a bit of is reasonable. I'm not the final four getting into the final four. We've seen some incredible upsets, but, which is but why think, of, think, think about that. They've won, they're what 24 now. And so there's only been five games where they haven't won by double digits. And I think at least three of them were probably, they won by like nine. Yeah. It's like not they're, like they, they haven't five. had. And, and, and people who are like, Oh, it's the West coast conference. Oh, well actually, if you go look at their, uh, uh, out of conference schedule, they played the probably the hardest out of conference schedule you could schedule, and they even were supposed to play number two before COVID protocols shut it down. Yeah. So don't tell me this bullshit of oh well it's because of the conference they play in. Uh, they beat Kansas, who's number seventeen right now. They beat Iowa, who's number nine by now. Me, mind you, they beat them handily. Both of those mm-hmm. teams yep. by, by at least fifteen or more. Both of those teams. Um. Who else did they go take care of? Didn't they beat Illinois? Did they, they beat? beat I feel Big like, 
I feel like I would have remembered if they beat Illinois. No, not Illinois. It was another Big Ten team, like a solid Big Ten team, I mm. think. Hold on. This is what the internet is for. Oh, they beat Virginia. They hung 90-something on Virginia. Okay. Virginia. They beat in Kansas. They beat in Auburn. They beat in West Virginia. West Virginia. They, that was it. West Virginia was one of those the games that they didn't win by double digits. Iowa. UV, UVA, University they of Virginia. Hung, they hung 95 on Virginia in Virginia's own gym. 98. They 98. Won by, they won by 23. Virginia. People don't do that to Tony Bennett in his defense, in the pack line defense. And mind you, they've won some of these games. People were like, oh, they probably have just shot a shit ton of threes. They won by 40 the other night, and they only hit four threes. They put up 110 points, and you only that's get four threes. That's Golden that's, State Warriors that, level that offense. That is how, how insane this offense is. Yeah. It is. It is literally a symphony to behold. Anyone, I get it. It's late. They play late. But just take 10 minutes out of your day when Gonzaga is playing one of these next couple games and watch their offense and just see how amazing it is. And and you'll understand why I'm so excited about it. All right. Well, that wraps up everything here. Thank you for Timmy for tuning in and coming in and giving us your opinions, strong opinions on coach K. (laughs) That does it all for the most mediocre show on the internet. Thank you all for tuning in. Make sure to listen to past episodes, uh, follow us and subscribe, all the good stuff, and catch us on the next episode. What's up, guys? Matt here. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. Cannot do this without you. Make sure you're following us on all of our social media platforms and whatever podcast services you use to listen to the show. Uh, Once again, cannot thank you guys enough and catch you on the next episode. Thanks.